there's anything I can tell you, it's that the best place to hide is in your mind. Welcome back, Ghoul Gang, to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft Correspondence. I'm Tyler, and I'm the guy that forces people on the internet to pretend to be friends with me until I've convinced them that they really are friends with me. It's happened successfully three times in a row now. I'm going for... Well, I've already gotten the turkey. I don't know if, if there's a three or fourth thing in sports, but because I don't know sports. But um, but yeah, no, this is, a, this is a big one. Moving on to a different sports a metaphor this is a big fish i caught a big fish guys it's great um <laughs> uh, mike slater is hanging out with me mike slater is an author uh creative and um i think that we might just be like on the exact same wavelength with a lot of uh our our personality our thoughts our humor um and interests because he has written several books uh a couple of books i don't know if several is right but I'm going to let him talk about himself a little bit, introduce himself. Mike, say hi to the Ghoul Gang. Hello, the Ghoul Gang and the people on the internets. And we're already friends, Tyler. I think you've uh, you've successfully managed that. Yes. Only 15 <laughs> seconds in. That's right. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me on. Um, where should I start? Um, you mentioned uh, several books. I, 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 that's maybe an exaggeration um so i uh, have two out um the first of course being the necronom nom nom that's the, what yeah <laughs> book, book of eldritch power uh recently it got a uh, a boozy companion in mm-hmm. lovecraft cocktails uh, which just came out in october um other than that i have um, some short stories I, I do actually write some serious horror fiction or semi-serious um in uh, a few anthologies uh, mostly by um Innsmouth gold and um <clears throat> actually they have a brand new one that's i think 27 dollars from funding on, on kickstarter now called corridors um sorry uh, micro plug uh, just snuck <laughs> that's um, totally <laughs> fine man plug weird, away weird. wasn't planned um so um yeah um Horror fiction, game design, uh, dark culinary—that's um, that—that—that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I am half of uh, Red Duke Games. Uh, the other half is Thomas Roach. He uh, is our president, and he was the chief culinary executive on the Necronom Nom Nom. He actually made sure all of the recipes worked and would actually be delicious, in addition to looking horrifying and sounding like genuine Lovecraftian spells. If um, if there's a job out there where it's literally just being the guy that makes sure it tastes good, I think I could be good at that. <laughs> you know, through the, the miracles of modern technology and when the post office gets back to working the way it should, um, I think we could arrange something with, uh, you know, a, a taste test, uh, long distance oh. taste tester. Yeah, if, if you, for your next book, if you need like a, a, a guest <laughs> taste tester, I will I will sacrifice my time to do that to for All you. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, we uh, I'm actually about to pitch the third book um, to our publisher, and um, this is a, a working title, so not, nothing is said at this point because I mean they have to actually go for it. I yeah. think chances are probably pretty good, but um, next up might be the Necro Yum Yum Yum. 
Ooh. Uh, baked goods and desserts. Yeah. Necro, yeah. yum, yum. I'll have to get that one for my wife. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it's it's pretty obvious that I mean it, if not for the sake of of selling these cookbooks, um, you're a fan of Lovecraftian work. Yeah, I um, I kind of went from uh, comic books to um, some sort of uh, light introductory fantasy, you know, via um, authors like um, you know Piers Anthony. Uh, directly into some of the darker stuff like uh, Michael Moorcock's Elric Saga mm. and then wandered smack into Lovecraft um, and I just fell in love with uh, the language even at a relatively young age I, I enjoyed what can turn off a lot of modern yeah. uh, especially younger readers you know the language is dense yeah. right it's yeah. it's there's unnecessary words in there absolutely there are but it's mm. beautiful and um it really goes along um, a very long way to creating an atmosphere. I mean, when you're reading something that was written at a different time in a, in a, um, in a very different culture, it, it embeds you in it, mm-hmm. you know, much more easily than someone who, like me, um, who's trying to write today in the 1930s. You know, I, I wasn't, I don't, my parents weren't an idea then. So, right. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge, but um, I, it's one I enjoy. And I don't write everything in period. Uh, certainly have enough modern stuff, but um, that was just um, what happened. You know, I mean, just how um, how old were you when you first picked up Lovecraft? Oh God, um, there's probably some government agency that will go talk to my mother if I answer that. Um, I think it was about twelve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, twelve or thirteen. Um, had recently discovered. Dungeons and Dragons. And then, of course, right behind that comes Call of Cthulhu. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I knew that that was associated with Lovecraft. And I and I knew that it was, you know, even darker and scarier than Ooh, Dungeons and Dragons, which, <laughs> of course, immediately makes you start sacrificing babies in the right. woods. Yeah. I mean, puppies. to play your first game, everybody knows you have to sacrifice a child. Yeah. yeah. And eat a puppy, right? And so, eat a puppy. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I saw that and I went, oh, okay, this is the guy whose writing that game was based on. Um, yeah, let me let me give that a whirl. And, it, hmm. you know, it, it was very different. I, I, I say I fell in love with it, um, you know, in the first book, but it, it was a while into the first book. I really didn't know for the first few stories. Am I going to hmm. I going to be into this? It, it was very, very different. Still is. And um, I because I, I know like for me, I, <clears throat> let me back up. I know for a lot of people, it's at a younger age. It's it's in their teens that they find Lovecraft's work and it, it speaks to them because it it's so I'm trying to think of, of why it could be. I've never really put it into words before, but I think maybe it's because he's an established author and like in a way he's a classical author. Right. And so there's that, you know, Oh, he's reading an older book. If you're, you're the child, then the parents of the child and the parents go, Oh, it's a, it's, you know, it's an older author. So at least they're reading, right. There's that. But then the kid gets to break away from probably a lot of stuff that they had been reading beforehand. And, you get to read stuff that has this terror to it and 
Um, you, the heroes are sometimes glorified, you know, uh, crypt uh, grave robbers and, and things like this. So yeah. it's it's almost a rebellion hidden within these books for, for kids. Um, and it, it's super interesting to me that such young age people find it. So it's so common for younger age people to find it. And then it sticks with them for majority of their life. Whereas for me, I, I didn't... I knew who Lovecraft was. Um, I knew that there was the Cthulhu mythos. I didn't really understand it much. I know that it had popped into other stuff. I I do read like like uh, Hellboy is my mm-hmm. absolute favorite comic book. Even Marvel yeah, touches on on Cthulhu a little bit. Sure, you know? Yep. And and so like there was always that stuff but it's kind of like the same to me as when like a greek god would pop in or you know something like that it's just another theme it wasn't till i started listening to a podcast where they were going through every single story of lovecraft and then like his life at that time Mm -hmm. um that i started to really get interested in and honestly that show was a big inspiration for this show because it, you know i wanted to deep dive into stuff um so it was more it, i didn't really start listening to that until i was 25 26 years old and i didn't read my first lovecraft story until i was 26 when i picked up an anthology um and man it just it blew me out of the water as someone who wanted to be a writer. And then you find this guy who just uses words like, like they're nothing, you know? Yeah. Crazy $2 words every, every 15 (laughs) sentences. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was crazy. And plus, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian household. I'm still a Christian to this day, but like I was coming off of the CS Lewis train and I was like, what else in the world is there? Um, huge difference, huge difference yeah, between C.S. Lewis yeah. and H.P. Lovecraft. But that's what I love about them is they're so completely different. Well, I think, you know, you kind of hit on a, a couple of important themes there in the last, uh, you know, minute or so. Um, you know, reading Lovecraft and, and understanding that, you know, this is literature. This is this is not a, um, a pulp novel, even though that's what exactly what he was writing yeah. at the time was, was pulp. This is now literature. And it's like going from reading the Justice League to reading the Greek myths, right? right? I mean, they're both sort of godlike, but there's a big difference between Superman and Zeus. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a, a qualitative difference in the feel mm-hmm. in the way that you approach them. If you, I mean, if you were to hand, um, you know, an educated, literate 14-year-old um, who knew nothing about uh, Greek culture or the fact that this mythology is thousands of years old and um, a DC comic from the 50s, there would still be to that person, I think, a qualitative difference between the two. Even if they were written equally well, even yeah. if there were no yeah. pictures or if it was all pictures, it just feels different. Um, the other thing is is the fear, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you read uh, C.S. Lewis, you read the characters in a comic book and and then you read Lovecraft and Lovecraft's characters are like 
whatever the opposite of a Mary Sue is, right? <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, these are these are folks who can't walk down a dark stairwell without, you know, fainting, crapping their pants. <laughs> yeah, you know, excuse me. Um, yeah, exactly, right? You know, it's uh, you, you've got this, um, you know, unreliable flashlight thing, and oh my God, it's terrifying. And and you know, meanwhile. Batman walks around in the dark 24 by seven, you know, goes to the beach and it's dark. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's very, very different. And I think it does. If you've um, had the normal experience of everything else, just that difference alone gives you um, a potential to enjoy that if, if you'll embrace it and, uh, you know, kind of go with it long enough to, to get through a couple of stories. Yeah. Do you find um, like this happens to me at least now that I've I've been enjoying Lovecraft for five or six years now, um, you know, I'm I see I get to see the world differently a little bit. My eyes open up to all these other things that I see Lovecraft in. Right. Like I've already mentioned Hellboy. I didn't I didn't even know that was a thing. And then you go and read yeah. Hellboy after you read Lovecraft and you're like, oh, like, my God, yeah, it's totally, totally borrowed all this. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. all Lovecraftian. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. But then there's like Aliens. The mm -hmm. Alien series is 100 percent Lovecraftian in its nature. Like it's the fear oh. of the unknown and that that creature that exists in the darkness of space. Um, is there anything else that you've seen that kind of pulls into that? Um, that that sort of uh, taps into um, you know Lovecraft's mm -hmm. uh, fear of the unknown w without it being a direct like this is Cthulhu mythos canon stuff which there's a ton of but sure, like sure I mean um, you know you mentioned aliens and and um, it, it's great partner is also extremely Lovecraftian without being outwardly so and that's the thing yeah um, yeah you know um, John Carpenter's The Thing or the original version from um, 1954 or something. I didn't know um, that there was an older version. Than yeah, John and I'm going to embarrass myself because I don't know the year, but um, it's something like that. There, There is a much earlier version. Um, and yes, we could Google it, but, you know. I'm, I'm a millennial, so I have to I, Google I, I everything. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't get away with it. Thing from Another World, 1951. I was close. Yeah, I was close. All right. right. I'll let myself uh, I'll let myself off the hook on that one. Um, you know, I mean, so that's one. There, There's so many. I mean, I think what people, um, why it resonates so strongly is that Lovecraft was writing at a time when Edwin Hubble you know, of, of the uh, namesake of the, of the Hubble telescope yeah. had demoted humanity from the center of the universe to practically nothing. Right. Like we are just the pinnacle of creation to, we are a speck on the edge of a galaxy that is a speck on the edge of a supercluster that is a speck on the edge of structures so large, they're just incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. And that terrified him because if if we're, you know, that small, uh, so to speak, what else is out there? And yeah. and yeah. why would he care about us? I mean, hmm. you know, there could easily be things that are 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 to us what we are to ants or bacteria, um, and that thought kept literally kept him awake. Um, 
and gave him nightmares and he wrote you know things about it he yeah. wrote out of his dreams a lot um and i don't know that specifically it was the uh cosmological stuff that gave him nightmares there were some very pedestrian things that gave him nightmares sure, that he wrote sure. about. but um you know that was a big part of it and i think that that resonates with people because how could it not it's, it's a common fear yeah and yeah. i mean he had I think what, one of my favorite things is that he was able to tap into, um, like, he had a fear of the ocean. So he, he constantly, you know, like Dagon and Cthulhu, the, the relays, they're all in the ocean. They, I mean, Innsmouth is right there on, on the port, and we see the mixture. Of course, that has its own racist connotations. But the point is, like, it, I feel like it is a good metaphor for, like, exactly what you were describing where he's you can look out at the ocean and see how small we are compared to a body of water and the things that can come out of just the ocean are are unknowable let alone what is beyond you know like it's this it's kind of the the tip of the iceberg of to what we don't know um, so I, I really like, yeah, that, that whole process of like the realization that we are not the center, that we are not anything. And we are so small that we are, it, it's not even, we're talking about we're so small, you know, like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and I, yeah, I think it, you're right. It's the fact that he could tap into that and, and convey that in a way that has held on for a hundred plus years, a hundred years at this point. Right. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Including the the whole of his career. Yeah. If not a hundred, then very, very close to that. Um, but who cares? Numbers. Um, you know, but you're right. It's the same thing. It's the same fear the ocean, uh, below. And then you look up and you have the ocean of stars above Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the ocean of night. Um, it's the same fear. Yeah. I, as a writer, I'm constantly trying to figure out that, that primal thing that I want to kind of the theme that I want to run through my own work, my own fiction, because you do find that, you know, as, as an artist, as a creative, you want to find that thing that you're pushing, you know, and, uh, and, and we're obviously talking about what he had and it's hard because since him, there hasn't been a lot of change in what could be that that next boundary of of the unknown it changes in different ways but it's still the same theme right it's extra dimensional beings and you know what what lies beyond the fourth dimension of time and um and then what lies within yourself and you know we we are dealing with the same construction of the theme they just come out with different faces um, and I think that like, I, I am like every, if not, it's gotta be every other day, a thought that I have where I'm like, what is that thing that I want to talk about? Um, is that something that you, you ever think about? Um, you know, I, um, maybe blessed is the right word. I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, but I sit down to write and I, I don't often know exactly where the story is going or what the thing is going to be. I just sort of let it come out of the ends of my fingertips and then adjust it, you know, as necessary if I'm not happy with it. Um, you know, having um, 
having a collaborator, um, you know, is great. You know, if, if you find somebody that's easy to work with, um, and you know, I kind of just let stories happen most of the time. Sometimes there's a, uh, the punchline is this, and yeah. now how do I write everything that that goes you know around it? Um, it's a really interesting question that you brought up about you know what's the next frontier, and and I think that the the frontiers do sort of just go inward, right? Mm. Um, you know, we've we've looked out into the universe and we've been scared of that. We've looked down into the ocean and been scared of that. Now we're looking into the idea that there are other dimensions and and other materials and dark matter, you know, mm -hmm. if it exists, that we can't even sense, can't possibly sense and could comprise most of the universe. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, what is that about? What what is um, what does it mean for intelligence the intelligence of something that we have created to suddenly outstrip us by orders of magnitude so great that we're not even ants compared to it three and a half days after we plug it in yeah right i mean <laughs> those are scary things losing self losing our, our place not only in the universe but in our own world right yeah. being displaced by something we've created um being uh, you know having society and everything that we're used to turned off turned upside down you know in a in a, in a day a, a minute a heartbeat um you know you could have a good coronal mass ejection you know the sun just sneezes at us the wrong way and wow all of the electronics and the internet and everything goes away in yeah. a couple of hours um uh you know, yeah uh, well it would be uh eight minutes right that's the, yeah, it would the be time eight it takes. yeah i was actually <laughs> I saw somebody describing um, an argument, you know, the, if the sun disappeared, um, you know, where the idea is we would be dead in eight minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and then somebody else was arguing about that, saying, well, no, it would be less time because as soon as the sun disappears, the earth is flung out into space because gravity is no longer holding it. But then this person argues against that explaining the the physics of how gravity's effects are still yeah. holding on and they they travel at the same speed if not less than the speed of light so we would yeah. still be circling around the sun even if it's not there yes and that would be if the sun somehow just disappeared right um, quick funny story since uh, uh you're about to be a dad mm. um I hope that is that public knowledge. I'm sorry. Uh, by the time this comes out, this won't be out till like January. So I'll be taking a break <laughs> because I'll be a new dad. So okay. <laughs> it'll be well, fine. You can, you can cut that part out if you need to. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, you know, quick funny story. Uh, when my son was very, very young, uh, you know, he got interested in the stars and, and mm -hmm. space early because dad is an amateur, you know astronomer of sorts don't anybody ask me quiz me things you know in public because i'll get them wrong i know what i like to look at and that's yeah. about all i know about so yeah. um but anyway you know we were talking about stars and planets and the sun and he looks up at me and he says dad what would happen if the sun blew up and i said nothing daniel nothing and he looked at me because I was already <laughs> trying to tune his bullshit detector from a young age. I think that's an yeah. important yeah. thing to do as a parent. Um, and he looked up at me quizzically like, nah, it sounds like BS. Nothing? Yeah, nothing, Daniel. Nothing would happen. And he looked at me and he thought and he frowned. Okay. I said, for about eight minutes. 
and then we'd all die. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at him, dad. Um, you know, so yeah, we've had that that conversation, and it's but it's cool stuff to think about. I mean, you know, the fastest yeah. thing you can experience has a speed, yeah. and distances are so great. You know, in our own little tiny solar system, that you know, there's a lag between uh, you know events and and our perception of them. Uh, and you can blow that up into any kind of story you want, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so what happens if light suddenly went half the speed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it, it, I mean, the more that I've learned about space, the more terrified I have become of it. And it is something that, like, when I was a kid, you know, I had the classic thought, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I have to know way too, too much math to be an astronaut. Uh, Me too. Yeah, so, that was my experience. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, like, as an adult, I've learned more and more about it just just out of interest, right? Just out of, like, I still like the idea of stuff. And um, you read stuff, and I'm like, damn, I'm so happy I didn't decide to be, or I decided not to be an astronaut. <laughs> that would have been terrifying. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean – interested in the stars and you know the night sky since i was a little kid wanted to be an astronaut same story Mm -hmm. um i uh i'll date myself a little bit here but my favorite band as a teenager was rush and you know uh rush has this uh fantastic song called cygnus x1 which was about the first black hole that we thought we had positively identified it wasn't Mm -hmm actually until later that we knew yes Cygnus X1 is in fact a black hole but um you know I was sitting out by the and in my happy place by uh my fire pit which I I call Burnhenge um (laughs) looking up at the stars and there's this great little app called Starwalk and you point your phone at the sky and it overlays the constellations and you can just wave it around and like you know point you know tap that dot and it tells you oh you know that's uh spica that's that's x15b9 you know how far away it is what it is and i was like where's cygnus x1 i punched that in and it guides you with an arrow like keep moving keep moving keep moving keep moving oh crap it's directly above me and just that thought was like now i know where there's a black hole oh and it happens to be directly above my head I know, you know, intellectually that it's so far away, it can never bother me. It's, it's not going to, it's not a threat of any kind. And I, I still wanted to go in the house, you know, like right. that would <laughs> <laughs> go lay under the covers. That'll keep the monster from getting you. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, that's cool. And so what was it that, that took your enjoyment of Lovecraft at a young age and what's the process that got you to a point where you wanted to do a, a cookbook? Oh, my God. Um, yeah. All right. So that was literally a case of I thought of the name first <laughs> and I laughed and I, I wrote it. I, I've told this story elsewhere, but I, I basically scribbled it down on a piece of paper that I kept in my wallet with all my ideas on it. Mm-hmm. And it would not leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And every time I looked at it, I laughed again. So finally, I was like, damn it, if I don't do this, somebody else is going to think of it. And then I'm going to be really sad because yeah. I, I think this would be funny as hell. And people are just going to look at the name and break out laughing. Um, 
and I, I like I kept it secret for like a couple of years as I jotted down the recipes and things that would go in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I met uh, my buddy Tom, my my uh, our, my business partner, the other half of the company, um, I had thirty seven recipes written down, you know, or at least the names of them and the ideas for them. Yeah, I yeah. did not know how to cook. Uh, I will f- freely admit that. That's why the first. The first recipe I tested was a roast beef sandwich because it was within my uh, my my uh, skill. <laughs> he can make a sandwich. <laughs> yes, um, as a chef. Um, but Tom could cook like a madman. I mean, he knew what he was doing in the kitchen. Um, and you know, we're sitting around one day, and, and he says, "Man, we should start a game company." We were just bouncing games off of each other. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, you know what our first product should be? And he said, what? And I said, a cookbook. And he said, yeah, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, got out the wallet file and I pitched it to him and he's laughing his ass off the whole time. I'm sorry, is my language um, too colorful? For, no, for obviously you haven't listened to our show. No, I, no, I curse up a storm okay. uh, <laughs> constantly. I've been told by our, my co-host, Hannah, I've been told by her grandma that I need to stop cursing so much. Uh, and I said, fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're fine, dude. Okay, okay. Um, so, you know, I got done the pitch, and he was laughing, and he said, it, you know, I think it's great. I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if anybody will, will, will go for it. I said, well, you know, there's good news. We can ask the internet. Um, and we did. We, we put it on Kickstarter and it went berserk, um, you know, with the help of, of some very good luck. Um, we uh, planfully put it up at exactly the right time, but what we couldn't predict was who would see it. Um, Food and Wine magazine picked it up like, I think, six hours into the project. Yeah. Um, and then um, Sci-Fi Wire and Dread Central picked it up like within a couple of days after that. Um, and Tom turned to me and said, I guess we're doing a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we did. And um, our goal in doing this, um, you know, my and my goal in writing it was that the fan of Lovecraft, someone deep in the lore could look at this and go, wow, uh, you know, these folks knew what they were doing, right? Yeah. It's like, like they didn't just go for the cheap thrills and the bad puns. I mean, we absolutely, absolutely did go sure. for the bad puns because you have to. Um, <laughs> and at this point, my blood type may be bad pun. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we wanted it to be something that looked convincing when you opened it and flipped through it. Like if you were standing over somebody's shoulders, you know, you know, four feet away looking at it, this should look like a spell book. It should absolutely look like, you know, an ancient spell book. What the hell is this? Um, what are you summoning? Uh, dinner, dinner. It's okay. Relax, dude. It's just dinner. I'm summoning. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and have it be enjoyable to read. Um, and, you know, Tom thought I was crazy. Like, you're going to try to make a cookbook that's fun to read. Yep, absolutely I am. Um, and uh, the response has just been incredibly gratifying. So, um, you know, we did another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did cocktails because we surveyed um, our original backers and um, we asked them what they wanted more of. 
and 93 percent of them said more drinks yeah um, you know, you know <laughs> i think it i think it's absolutely like it, it goes with i don't know it i i'm a fan of lovecraft and i like to drink alcohol i don't know if those two things are like you have to have them but they, <laughs> every other lovecraft fan i i know likes to drink alcohol so i i, yep. I feel like maybe it's just an an unofficial thing that they they have to go hand in hand he, he was a teetotaler himself he yeah. did not drink um but i always thought that his character should like heavily mm -hmm. um you know i mean you know after you you see and go through some of these things that would have been a reasonable uh, trade to write in to some of these folks yeah <laughs> but uh he didn't and he didn't have any respect for it but um you know I That's, think he would have probably been a cooler guy if he did. Could have been, could be, but you know, <laughs> nobody chill. really cares about his opinion. They care about his literature. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> I think anybody nowadays would be like, "Nah, his opinion yeah. is trash." Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's been dead for eighty three years. He or something close to that. He died penniless, unknown, mm -hmm. um, thinking that he was a failure. His opinion didn't matter when he was alive. It certainly doesn't matter three generations later. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's crazy, man. It, it's so, it, honestly, it's sad and kind of scary in my opinion of like, <clears throat> the last thing I want to do is spend my life creating something, stories or whatever it is. And I don't even get to enjoy <laughs> the the outcome of that not even not even on a money sense like if i don't make a dollar doing this i'll probably still do it i'll i'll probably write until the day i die just because i can't help but come up with ideas and write them out but mm -hmm. but really if it's like if i could create something to where i get to talk to people about things like that's that to me is where it's all about it's or what it's all about it's it's sharing ideas and opinions and nerding out about the stuff that, that we all like to nerd out about. And right. I, I do feel like he did get that a little bit. Like, unfortunately it was a, it was a kind of a weird way. Cause he's hanging out with 14 year old boys in their houses uh, for like two weeks. It was not the best situation, at least from our 2021 point of view. <laughs> I yeah. feel like any point of view it should be. But, <laughs> but he did have a lot of conversations with people about the structure of how to write these stories and stuff. So, yeah, he, he was a mentor um, to many and, and a learner um, and even to generations that would not come to be until long after he was gone. You know, you yeah. and I. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the thing that you do for the love of it is absolutely worth doing, whether you are successful at it commercially or not. And, um, you know, you said it a few minutes ago, I'm, I'm a millennial, we Google everything. <laughs> well, you know, something else that uh, as a whole, to the to the extent that I, I could generalize about a generation, you know, something else that you do is you do indulge that desire to do something for the love of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, man, that could teach something to a lot of folks that came before, right? I mean, why are we here if it's not you know to enjoy life it's it's not about being miserable and working yourself to death or chasing um you know things necessarily things are great you know it's nice to have things sure but, um 
to leave a, a legacy that is a body of work that generations, even if it's just your own gen next generation, to read it and say, you know, this is what my dad wrote when I was, you know, when he was my age. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I, I, I think that that's something more people should do, whether it's write or paint or jog or, you know, do whatever that, that thing is that lets you in, engage with the world at large um, and, and leave a little something behind, no matter how that happens. And I think that's why that uh, video piece is so popular today. It's like, it's like a, a little, a little snippet of my life is now captured forever and floating around the internet for good or ill. Yeah. <clears throat> Usually ill, but you know, hey. <laughs> yeah. Depending if you, if you decided to open that only fans or not. Right. <laughs> is, uh, is that public or yeah. yeah i have no idea um we on one of my shows uh players guild uh we play D D, and we realized very quickly that we're gonna have to make this uh if we do a patreon we have to make it like a the explicit version of patreon yeah. the 18 right. and over uh, and we're like, if we're going to do that, we might as well do a OnlyFans, right? And just start, you know, posting our podcast on OnlyFans. And uh, one of our, the my co-producer of it, Britt, she tried really hard to get us on OnlyFans. But and apparently it's like you needed, we needed to submit all of our driver's license. There's six of us. And okay. then like a picture of us holding our driver's license. and um, And then it was like, uh, we had to fill out an application for each of us so that we could all be considered. It was insane. Like they took it so seriously with making sure people weren't just like posting uh, random stuff of people on, on their site. So that was, that was yeah. fun. So we're like, no, nah, we're good. We'll just stick to 18 plus Patreon. <laughs> That's what we'll yeah. do. Yeah. I, you know, I, there's advantages and disadvantages, I guess. And the fact is, is that anon anonymity, encourages bad behavior yes it does. Um, so there's there's something to be said for that that system i guess but anyway um, so so you've yeah. mentioned a couple times now uh red duke games um and i didn't know this about you i i knew that you had done the necro nom 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 and the lovecraft cocktails um but you you have a uh game company yeah Yep. Um, and that was actually the, the book, the idea of the book was to fund the incorporation of the company and the initial production of games that we wanted to do. Hmm. Um, and in fact, it is, you know, today the, the engine that allows us to uh, create and release games. Um, it took a couple of years. Uh, we, well, I guess three, but we'll, we won't count one of them <clears throat> for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, and, you know, by the end of this year, we will have, you know, four games out. We'll have gone from a card game and two books to three card games and a board game. Nice. And two books. And then I'll have at least one more short story published by then. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Red Duke Games is um, – is, sort of a darkly humorous slash dark, um, you know, series of, of products uh, mm. as of today, right? I mean, we have everything from like, um, our first card game is actually for kids. It's called Which One. Uh, it's very popular with the five to nine-year-old set. Um, 
and college kids, although they, they play it with different accessories. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that sounds so, uh, dirty i don't know why but you say <laughs> you say that which one they play that with different accessories <laughs> uh, I, I, all right different different um consumables i'll put it that ah, way. okay yeah, okay yeah. so it's a card game i mean yeah um so that that one just got its uh its companion card set um the spooky edition right so the first one is animals and the second one is like halloween type stuff nice uh, <clears throat> we have um azra war of heralds which is a card game um for older folks not older not old folks but you know um, adult gamers mm. um and that is um you know something that fits right in with um you know some of the other popular fantasy based card games out there that i could mention but probably don't need to to your listeners um you know similar mechanics or at least familiar mechanics and um it does have the virtue of being a two-player game that's entirely self-contained you you don't have to mortgage a house to go buy (laughs) Um, yeah i'm on i'm on three refinances now just so i can play the new sets you know what i mean that's (laughs) right yeah we don't we don't do that to you um and uh the big project for um uh, hopefully a january kickstarter launch is um i am currently writing a 5e book um we uh we love that game ourselves mm-hmm. and um this is a a very dark uh setting literally and figuratively it's called furthest night um and we've got some incredible um uh, graphic talent lined up for that the 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 artwork for the game is uh, just looking awesome. Um, the, uh, the the story and the setting um, hopefully uh, will be compelling, and um, we should have that out in, in January up on Kickstarter. Nice. Uh, we'll have a board game out by the end of the year um, called Catawampus, and it's um, you know it's a cool, very classical sort of board game, but you know not checkers, not chess, not badminton, um, but you know. It, it 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 fits into that sort of category. So we run the whole gamut from, uh, you know, kids, you know, kids card games where you know you just watch parents and and kids laugh as they as they play this thing with each other, yeah, with uh, their big and little sisters to you know, you know some dark fantasy stuff that uh, we hope will be of interest to the folks that like our other stuff. Nice, that's awesome, man. It's it's so cool to see like the fact that you have more than one interest, right? You know, it, it could just be, oh, I'm just a writer or I like to make games. But the fact that you have found a way to incorporate both of those things to work with each other and and help them, like that that's encouraging to me because I have ADD. So I'm constantly like, oh, I want to be a writer, but also I want to do... I- yeah, I kind of miss the Ritalin bus, so I just go from thing to thing to thing to thing, <laughs> and then when I get stuck, I go back to the first thing and start up yeah. the line yeah. again. If you could see my screen right now and the number of tabs that are open as I talk to you, uh, you would wonder just exactly how much RAM there is in my computer. Right. Uh, a lot. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> but that's how I deal with that. So, yeah, I would never let that discourage you. It, it yeah. Just you know, harness it. You know, no, just I, harness it. I get it though. Like I have here, uh, 
so when I when I had an older podcast, um, the Vision Obscured podcast, okay. I did with yep. a guy named Brandon, and um, we started playing a game called Movie Pitch, and I actually created it into a card game because I like doing graphic design and all that, and I was bored at work one time, and it was like yep. we didn't sell it or anything. I just made two copies and gave him one, <laughs> gave myself the other, and. Dude, it's so much fun. Like making a game, like taking rules and figuring out how to make them work. And this is the simplest one in the world, but it was just like the process of ma like physically making it and doing the design and everything like that was just yep. super duper fun. Um, and it, it just accesses a, a, like the similar creative part, but something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. For the folks in, in uh, internet land, Tyler is holding up a, uh, a tuck box with um, his, his game in it. So yeah, just, uh, I'd throw that in. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, if you're not a regular listener, I, I've talked about it before, but yeah, if you're a new listener, it's uh it's, it's literally just a deck of cards and then a rule book that is very poorly written um, that I threw in there. <laughs> well, minus the poorly written part, that is um, how our, uh, the designer for Azra, uh, the card game that, is imminently out it mm -hmm. kickstarted successfully and we are just waiting for it to arrive so we can put it in people's hands but nice. um eric fairchild um you know designed that out of a love of card games and possible boredom at work i'm not sure I, i've certainly <laughs> done that uh, yeah. not at a current job or anything like that right. years no, years it's different it's a different situation um, yeah um you know that's that's where he started and uh a friend of his introduced us and he showed us the game and went, wow this is really impressive and uh yes we can you know take this and, and make it into a real thing that you can put in people's hands it took far longer than any of us expected it would or hoped it would but the outcome um you know the final output of the product we think uh is really really um, top notch and we hope people will enjoy it as much as, uh, folks in play testing, um, and test audiences have. Yeah. So. No, that'll be great. I'll, I'll definitely start keeping my eye out for that stuff. Uh, cause I definitely want to try it, especially that, that five E, uh, game that, that you're talking about. That's my jam. So I'll be all cool. about that. Yeah. We, you know, I mean, it's just, it's so much fun. And, and the one good thing that, I think happened in the year that we do not speak of is uh, a lot of people had time to, you know, go back to that or, mm -hmm. or do more of it. And um, yeah, you know, done well, it's, it's just so much fun. So I started writing an entirely new setting. It's just, it's a whole different setting and you can use it as a standalone um, and uh, or not. And yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's just, it's something new and different, you know, to, for others to enjoy too right yeah. so these were ideas that we were kicking around anyhow i was like hey you know what we we could make this into a, a thing let's all right let's round up our our favorite artists and uh well not our you know the artists that are available because they're all our favorites <laughs> um you know and, and start doing some stuff yeah so. and i mean i i uh Man, I, I totally forgot what I was going to say. You, you brought up like three things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I know like with, uh, oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. Have you have you heard of and or played the uh, the Sandy Peterson Cthulhu Mythos for 5e? I have the book. I, I kickstarted it. Um, 
I have played Pathfinder uh-huh. and I have the Pathfinder version. Um, I don't have the 5e version yet. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm doing and to pick that up. Um, I've been hinting uh, to my wife like really hard. Like <laughs> I literally sent her a link by and me like, this is what I want. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm super excited to try it out because it, it looks like a lot of fun and um, it's right up my alley. Uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't produce a bad game. Um, yeah. We yeah. ran into Sandy at Necronomicon in Providence uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom and I walked up and handed him a, a, Baxter, a, a, a Kickstarter backer edition of the original Necronomicon, the one that looks like an actual spell book and um, doesn't have a table of contents or an appendix or any of that stuff. It's just like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he, he was, he was, you know, thrilled to get it, but um, we were like, you know, I, I said to him, you um, created Call of Cthulhu, which was one of my entry points to Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've written so many things that I enjoyed. It would, you know, it would be an honor for um, you to have, you know, my book on your shelf. Um, and he was just, uh, you know, the greatest guy to, uh, to talk to about that. And it is, it is possible that Peterson games and Red Duke games will be, um, having a minor collaboration in the very soon. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very cool. It's, it'll be along lines of like a contest type thing that we sure. participate in. Um, you know, um, but, I won't, I won't give it away. It's not my, my thing to talk about. <laughs> right. Um, Sandy Peterson and co are great. And, uh, we love those folks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, man. I, I look forward to playing it and I've, I've even teased on players guild with my players. Like I think once, once this first campaign that we're doing is over, I'll probably be looking at a, the new campaign being inspired by the Sandy Peterson, uh, Cthulhu mythos because, I just I love that realm and I think what I've noticed in a lot of the stuff that I've consumed that is very Lovecraftian in nature it's it's horror it's scary and I love that but the humor that comes out of it is so much better than a lot of other stuff and I think it's because there's this constant need in our brains to break that tension with that humor and yep. so we're already on edge and we're pushing ourselves to think of the funniest stuff possible. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I've said much the same elsewhere. I, I think that that is a gift that, you know, we can give each other is to, is to, you know, share a very deep, almost um, um, inbred fear Inborn, not inbred. Uh, <laughs> that's a little different kind of fear. Yeah, in, yeah, that's a, a whole different thing. Um, yeah, an inborn fear that we all share, and then find a way to laugh at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that that's uh, a compelling uh, thing that we do that helps us bond. Um, you know, as people, as friends, as cultures. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, man, I I think it's great. So just to back up a little bit, you know, we asked, when did you get into Lovecraft? You're saying around 12 years old. 
and then and then you have this idea for the necro nom 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 um later in your life there's this gap you know how <laughs> what were you doing in that in those years um between being introduced and and were you starting to write other stuff at before necro nom 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 or were did your oh, writing no. career come out of that uh so yes <laughs> the, the answer to that is yes i i have been writing um probably since i was in my early teens uh for the enjoyment of it yeah um and occasionally for the enjoyment of you know friends who might like to read my stories without really the intention or the um thought that i could ever be a guy with books you know on shelves and stores across the planet like that sure. just is the weirdest thing to me still um uh, you know but in the back of my mind a little bit closer uh, to reality than being an astronaut there was the idea of you know being an author um I, I i will say that that was you know a dream but i i never made it i never had the thought that it would really be more than a dream so i was writing things but i wasn't trying to publish them um you know the one magazine um was in allentown pa i think called uh wild publications that was like a short fiction horror magazine that i submitted a story to mm. uh folded like two weeks later um, you know, so i didn't even get they to read they read the greatest thing that they ever could and they're like oh we're done we found it yeah, right. we're good yeah, i'm sure that's exactly what happened <laughs> uh, so i was writing uh but it it was certainly the necronom nom nom that launched my writing career okay uh, so yes after that came the the published short stories and the anthologies and um uh you know and sort of all at the same time right like you know getting getting stories picked um in contests and things like that uh the 2019 um lovecraft arts 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 and film festival arts and film um society some something mm. like that i'm sorry guys um, <laughs> you know uh you know picked a, a flash fiction piece um you know out of uh, a number of of submissions which was just really cool and yeah. um you know so yes i was already writing um i was told that i was pretty good at it and then the necronom nom nom came along and it's like you know suddenly oh okay here's here's like the thing and yes this is this this guy's an actual you know has published works yeah <laughs> things yeah. um which makes it easier when you go to pitch something to a publisher for sure yeah the i mean more your success begets more success right because people take that more seriously what do you what sort of advice would you have for someone who is coming breaking into this realm like i myself i'm I've written a few things. I self-published one piece uh, that I wrote uh, like five years ago, and I've been really, you know, writing those coattails for five years. Um, and then I'm now working on a short story series that I'm I'm doing that I'm planning on self-publishing. Um, but what advice would you have for oh, for newer authors? And it, it is the greatest time to be doing that because publication has become completely democratized sure it's nice to have a publisher come in and say hey we'd like to do the mass market edition of this it's it's wonderful you can't depend on it by any stretch of the imagination but you don't need them 
Yeah. You can write something and self-publish it or publish it with Amazon or any number of other uh, dark powers. Um, and <laughs> you don't need anybody. But I think that the biggest piece of advice that I would give is don't listen to anyone. Mm. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to yourself. Um, people are the biggest thing in the way of their own success. They yeah. they stop because they can't look at a thing and say, you know, oh, uh, this is nowhere near as good as so-and-so. I don't have a chance in the world. Stop that. Yeah. You know, stop that. If you're writing from your love of the process and the need to tell the story, keep going, keep yeah. going and find an outlet for it. One will appear, right? I mean, one of my favorite quotes is leap and the net will appear. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's true. I mean, I've always found it true. Knock on wood. Um, you know, it's, a, it's the field of dreams philosophy, yeah, right? Kind of. Yes. Yeah. But you know, um, uh, don't listen to anybody um you know oh that's been done before no it hasn't been done the way that you want to do it unless you're actively ripping somebody off it hasn't been done before yeah. right it, and and you know how many themes are there in in the human condition um you know that haven't been talked about anywhere ever uh, probably exactly none yeah um so it's all been done before that shouldn't that shouldn't stop any oh star wars is out let's you know <laughs> let's not make babylon five right right um you know oh uh baseball's been invented let's let's not make football i, I mean come on it's i'm not a sports guy that was probably a terrible <laughs> <laughs> i feel like if if we really want to play save the comparison for sports would probably be like hockey and lacrosse that yeah, would be a, a closer one. Something like that, right. You know. But, yeah, I no, I totally agree. And um our listeners who have listened before, they'll they'll they hear me talk about it all the freaking time. But last November, a year ago, I was just about ready to quit writing because I read Dune and I was like, This is one of the greatest pieces of work I've ever read in my life, and I'm never gonna be this good. Um or I, I, it wasn't even I was never going to be this good, but rather I'm not this good now, so why should I even try? And the lesson I had to learn was you need to try so that you can get this good, dude. Don't be putting yourself down when you're still working at it. And and you don't have to be, quote, this good, right? I mean, that is uh, somewhat arbitrary, and in, in, the, in the circle of influence that you can have and experience, being good enough – is is good enough right yeah, i mean yeah. um you know the the, the kid that oh, i'm gonna use another sports analogy right but the kid <laughs> that that hits that that winning run when bases are loaded as a 14 year old in little league doesn't drop the bat and think well i'm not as good as a, a professional league player i'm not as good as that guy in Phillies or whatever right. um i'm not gonna do it anymore no of course not he he had a incredible shining moment in his life that will be with him and part of his history forever yeah and it doesn't matter that someone out there was better than him it just doesn't yeah no i think that's great that's great advice i mean just that reminder that where you're at you're as you're as good as you're supposed to be right then and the only way to get better is to keep trying is to keep yeah. doing it um and and that's exactly what i've been trying to do going into this this experimental series that i've been trying so I'm excited. I'm excited for the new year to try and start releasing that um, and see if it gains any traction. Um, 
but ultimately it doesn't matter if it gains traction. It's already helped me become a better writer and I've already gained confidence from it either way. So yeah, I'm, you, I'm happy you, with it. You never know. And if you're doing the thing because you love it, you can't lose. Right. You spent enjoyable time, you know, creating. Yeah. I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. No, I agree completely. Uh, I think that the the highs that I've had from from finishing a story or writing a good part of of a story or something like there, there's nothing better than that. Um, being able to be proud of yourself or excited for a story and the potential it has because you wrote a series of runes and glyphs in a specific order. Like I I don't know. There's something primal about that that just you know it feeds into our it gives me more endorphins that's all i want yeah it, 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 it you know <clears throat> it is a kind of magic yeah to quote the highlander um you know it's uh it, it's just something that we have a need for and i think that everybody should find what that thing is it's you know it's not necessarily writing like i said before it, it might be dancing it might be i don't know you know cleaning right, right? i mean uh, i know plenty of people that um you know taking a desk that looks like mine and making it um recognizable as a desk uh, <laughs> gives them that release of endorphins right i mean yeah. they, they yeah. love that okay great i obviously don't but <laughs> that's me yeah absolutely um <laughs> I do want, I'm just double checking on something real quick, but, um, are you involved with the realm makers in any way? Uh, I am, uh, now working with them. Yeah. I had a great, uh, Tom and I went to, um, their new bookstore in King of Prussia. Okay. Um, and met Scott and, uh, had a great, um, launch for lovecraft cocktails um we had a nice book signing there it was uh, it was pretty cool yeah that's yeah. awesome I, and that's what i thought because um i think scott was the one that originally got us in touch he yep. he had messaged me after he was on my show and and was like oh you got to talk to this guy you two would hit it off and i was like yeah no <laughs> i think you're right and then like nine months later i made the first oh, okay. initial contact um most of that's imposter syndrome right most of that is like <laughs> Yep. If if someone's like you should talk to someone, you'll hit it off. I'm immediately like, no, they're wrong. I'm, <laughs> they're not gonna like me. Um, but I I was like, the more I looked into who you are, what you were doing, I was I was way more interested in like I I am getting over myself so that I can try this out. And man, I'm man, am I glad? But it's crazy. It's crazy just how wide reaching Realm Makers is. I, I think it's super cool. Yeah, yeah, they have a great they have a great mission. Um, their their new uh, store space is is beautiful, and that was um, I wandered in there accidentally, and I looked as I looked at what was on the shelves, and there was, you know, there was some stuff that I had seen or that you could get in a, a Barnes and Noble or or wherever, um, but there was a lot that you couldn't, and I thought, wow these folks are about local authors and um yeah you know uh, and 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 you know small individual creators um wow that's really cool and um there's this guy at the at the desk turned out to be scott's son 
Um, and uh, I asked, is that what you guys are about? He said, yeah, that's it, right on the head. That's, uh, that's what we do. I said, wow, it's cool, it's a beautiful story. Congratulations, um, you know, I wish you much success. And he said, oh, thank you so much, what do you do? And I said, I- I'm a small local writer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he went and got his dad and Scott came out and we talked and I, you know, showed him the, the book, you know, I think I showed, I had a picture of the book cover and he looked it up on Amazon and he was like, oh, okay, wow, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was like a little bit of back and forth for a, a while and not a whole lot happened. And then, um, but we had said, you know, hey, look around the, the new book. The, the new book releases right as we have our actual grand opening. Like, yes, we're open now, but we haven't had our grand opening yet, which sure. like, you know, to come for that is the, I'd be honored. And, um, we had a great time. It was awesome. And Scott is great to talk to. And I, and I love Railmaker's uh, mission. Um, so, yeah, they are they are good folks. Have you have you been able to do uh, I mean, I'm guessing not. But are you planning on doing one of their conferences at all? Uh, we talked a little bit about that um, there. Some of them are just outside of our travel range. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anything that we could get to, we would love to. We'd, we'd, we'd love to do something else with, with those guys. Yeah, that's my dream, man. Uh, to be able to get to one of their one of their conferences, and I a few years like five or six years ago when they were first starting up, I was pushing so hard, be like, come to come to the West Coast, <laughs> come to the West Coast, so I don't have to take a take a flight or drive for like three days to get to you guys. Well, yeah, right. Now I'm saying 300 miles is a bit out of range and you're on the other side of the country. So, you know. <laughs> <Spoiled>. <laughs> yeah, if it was only 300 miles, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Right, uh, I can tell right. you that right now. Um, but I, you know, honestly, that is a goal of mine, you know, to either have uh, a career as a writer enough to justify going to Realmakers or. I don't know, become important enough as a podcaster that they're like, hey, come do a live show. And, you know, it justifies me going to Realmakers, something. Right, uh, maybe right. it'll happen. Both of those things will happen at once. That's maybe that's what's going to happen. You never know what connection is going to make that happen. Maybe yeah. we can, maybe we can, uh, the three of us can meet up there. That would be awesome. That would be dope. Yeah. Know. After talking to Scott, it was such a cool experience. He's such a loving guy and like he's super yep. cool and chill about everything. And, um, it was it was awesome. I was so happy to be able to talk to him and get get to know someone who's actually on the staff of the whole thing. And um, so, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to chat about? What real quick? What's your favorite Lovecraft story? Let's let's talk this real quick. Uh, probably Pickman's model, yeah. but the horror in the museum and at the Mountains of Madness are so close um you know it it's i love most of it right i mean there there's very little that i just was like eh, i could have not read that um, <laughs> you know uh, there there's something about probably those three that that stand out you know the most for me um but uh yeah if if uh if it was you can only have one i would probably pick at the mountains of madness for its length like if yeah. you you have to pick your desert island you know right um book but if it was just you know you have to read this one the most often it probably would be a uh, pickman's model it's a good um, one man it's scary it, like there's yeah. there's something about it. i was just reading it uh i think i was reading it at new year's last year 
and I was alone in a loft just hanging <laughs> out, and I'm like, man, this is terrified. Like just yeah. the just the words he uses. Uh, my go-to though is is uh, definitely from Beyond. Yeah. I, I think that's such yeah. a, a just the idea behind that story of you don't know what's there, and then and then when you do, you don't want I wish to know. You didn't. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, uh, that one's good. And then the color out of space, I think, is is probably one of my. Th- those, those two are are also you know so top so so close to you know favorites. Um, yeah. You know, I, there's actually um, so one of my uh, collaborators in the Necronom Nom Nom and Lovecraft Cocktails is a gentleman named uh, Miguel Flagure, um, and um, he is um, down in Buenos Aires. Uh, he contributed recipe a recipe to the Necronom Nom Nom and several to Lovecraft Cocktails, but he also writes, you know, Lovecraftian fiction and and, and horror fiction. Um, and we are writing together. We have a, an unpublished story um, that just keeps growing and growing. And it is sort of a modern reimagining of From Beyond. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you if you imagine um, what Lovecraft would have thought of modern string theory and the idea of compactified extraspatial dimensions and yeah. things like that. Um, which is really what he was already tapping into um, from a yeah from a, a, a perspective that had no idea what that stuff was yeah yep. exactly yeah. I mean um, quantum physics was in its infancy relativity you know was was uh, you know a toddler um, you know, so, <laughs> literally a toddler at that point yeah yeah, yeah pretty much um, you know so he was cutting edge uh, idea wise um, and, and really followed um, you know the, the most current goings on in science um, so just because you mentioned that um, as a favorite I'll throw that in there it's, that's one of the things that we're working on um, nice and of course uh, I think the the Rum Beyond was actually the first cocktail that I made um, for Lovecraft Cocktails. It was the first test cocktail. Um, I had gotten a, a bottle of um, that um, aloe drink with pulp mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It comes in like a square bottle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's clear, but you look at it and there's like things floating around in it. And I yeah. went, oh, and if I put some <laughs> alcohol in that, it would be like from beyond. And if that alcohol was rum, it would it would be rum beyond. That's great, oh, man. <laughs> That's so cool. I I can't wait to try some of those. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get the book, and uh, and I'm probably gonna go through at least make one a week, and like oh, you know. I I thought you were gonna say one after the other. Don't don't do that. <laughs> no no, I can just give some to my pregnant wife. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> There are virgin sacrifices in the book, uh, virgin cocktails in the book. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. She, she can join you safely. Nice. Perfect. That's exactly what she needs right now, too. She's talked about how she needs some some mocktails, as she calls them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, they're 
convincingly um, well there's a couple that are sort of just dessert drinks but there's a couple that are convincingly like there could be something in this yeah. um, but there isn't <laughs> <laughs> I, one last thought I've I've had Ooh. and I just thought about this for some reason um, as you were talking about you know how cutting edge Lovecraft was and, and stuff you know part, I'm always the contrarian so I'm like was he though he had he had stories about like cats on the moon and and shit yeah. like that yeah yeah but i had this yeah. idea back when i was reading um the uh quest uh dream quest of uh the unknown kadath unknown kadath thank you very much mm-hmm. i for some reason in my head while i was reading it I figure if someone ever tried to make a movie out of this, I feel like they need to make it a musical. <laughs> like nice. the cats singing on the moon and stuff. I don't know why, but I feel like I feel like it could be like the next Moulin Rouge. I think it could be great. You know what I mean? It it, it would be like cats on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It's a terrible idea. We don't need another no. one of those. You know what? You, until you try it, you you just never know. Maybe that's exactly the right format for it. I'm going to write it. It's going to be my big thing. People are going to remember me for the the musical of Unknown Kadath. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be the musical version of the Unknown Kadath, and uh, Tom and I will be the culinary version of the Unknown Kasquash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice awesome man yeah did you have anything else you wanted to talk about at all um no i i will just because we've said it a whole bunch of times i i will throw out there that if anybody is interested and wants to go investigate you know further some of the stuff that we've talked about go to www.reddukegames.com um you know, there's our stuff out there, and, and the most interesting section, in my opinion, is the stuff that we're planning on doing. So, yeah. go look at the ideas and development section, um, and let us know. I mean, like, let us know what you think because some of these things are done, but some of them are like in the pipeline and can be moved around. If somebody said, "Oh my gosh, I need this in my life much sooner than you're planning <laughs> I need on this giving right it now," yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll try to make sure we have uh, a link in the bio and, and description of the show and stuff. So um, if you guys are wanting to check that out, we'll, that should be down below. Um, but yeah, you should absolutely check out. Uh, is it Slater? Is it Slaughter? I don't know how to pronounce your it's last name. Slater. It's Slater. Slater. I yep. just I always get everything wrong all the time. I got one of my closest friends' last names wrong on our show, so um, it's that's just how I am. Um, so yeah, go check out Mike Slater's work, uh, the Necro Nom Nom Nom, which is a cookbook inspired by Lovecraft. And then, what's the official title for the cocktails? It is Lovecraft Cocktails. There it is. So- Yep. Um, which uh, you can fully believe that in the new year I will be trying and I'll probably be posting some videos of me um, very right drunk <laughs> talking about how great they are. Yeah, you've got you've got to let me know that, that those are up because um, I, I, will, I will follow along from, from here out, but I don't want to miss that. So Yeah, absolutely. Dude, do we need to do a series on uh, like a like a We'll talk after the show. We're going to talk after the show now. 
could. Uh, uh, you, you've been great to talk to, um, and uh, I need to keep that promise that we're friends now. So yeah, there should be a follow up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said it. I'm gonna hold you accountable, man. Hey, man. Uh, Mike, you dude, seriously, thank you so much for hanging out with me. It was such a blast. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah. And Ghoul Gang, remember, uh, this is, I mean, we record this in, in November. It's probably going to be the new year, possibly February when you hear this. So the books have been out. Go check them out. And um, and remember to, you know, stay, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to give you advice. You guys are all adults, or at least you should be. You should not be listening to the show for your child. Maybe you can. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not your dad. I'm somebody else's dad. I'm taking care of him right now. Anyway, awkwardly saying goodbye, ghoul gang, and good luck. Night, folks. <laughs>